Hi, this is Alex Hicken with the Barry Hicken Bros Podcast. Welcome to the 39th episode. And this episode is going to be pretty good. Trevor is going to start off with a bunch of mini topics. Then Trevor and I will switch off. What do you have going on, Trevor? Yeah, this week was pretty good. I went on my uh, daily runs, and uh, on Thursday, that is funny because my uh, route that I usually go on, but uh, since I go into this park, there's a parking lot, and uh, the path comes from the parking lot through to the other side, to the other road, they were uh, paving the whole thing, so I do a detour, and <laughs> I went around and went up the bridge, and like doubled my length of uh, running time so I got pretty tired at one point and had to like walk and repeat yeah Utah's like uh, remapping the whole all the roads yeah and then yesterday I saw uh, uh, the new Christopher Nolan movie called Tenet that was pretty crazy yeah the trailers are pretty good it's good when a trailer doesn't like give the whole entire plot and everything in like two minutes <laughs> like why even watch the whole movie if you get the whole thing in like two minutes <laughs> yeah so you're gonna give a quick review about it um it's totally good i didn't go in with any expectations about like what it's going to be about so mm-hmm like, after the movie was done, I had to think about what the whole movie, what had just happened. Because it's a very uh, complex order of events. Hmm. It's a uh, weird... It's like, uh, not time traveling, but something... It's pretty much time traveling, but not very... It's not like jumping time travel. It's more like time twisting. Hmm. Sounds interesting. My favorite movie is the girl who leapt through time so it might be something that i might be interested in yeah what about your week so my week was kind of chill because there were two days in the week that there was a lightning and we had to uh, shut down the job site so i was able to come home early and chill out for a little bit i think it's kind of funny how when you're really busy and you have no time to do things, you become very efficient with time. And then when you have time, you like become really inefficient with time. <laughs> but yeah, I have no laundry to do. So I've been using my time efficiently. Um, we have about uh, 10 more days left of the project. And we'll be working uh, seven days a week. But I have today, uh, tomorrow off. I have Sundays off, so yeah, don't have to worry that much about Pretty me. Crazy. But uh, there's people <laughs> that are working the project. <laughs> so how are you going to go through your mini topics? Well, I saw uh, Ubuntu is uh, finally have a face unlock, basically. So I thought you'd enjoy that. Seems like it's just a... It says it works on most Linux systems. Basically what it does is it stores the photos locally and then you build the app and it takes up some space on your disk and then the facial recognition isn't secure. But it does allow you to unlock using your face if you don't want to use a password. Yeah, I'm in 
I don't know. The security uh, doesn't seem to... <laughs> Who really cares about my laptop? <laughs> I don't really think uh, <laughs> I need that much security. <laughs> I don't have much on it. I have everything on the internet anyways, so <laughs> it's not like I'm hiding anything. It's not for security, it's for you, so you don't have to put in your password every five seconds. You need to get into it. Yeah, I have uh alternative uh, sign-in option that I use on my work computer. Hmm. I'll probably look into your link that you have and see if I could compile that on my computer. How do you put it on your computer? You run some commands and it'll like add like the feature into Ubuntu. Yeah, you inst- you install the you install the Howdy repository through the Ubuntu PPA. Then set up your webcam, date the config, provide your face images. Then yeah, that's it. Do you give it some webcam pictures? Yeah, you have to set up your face basically with photos. Yeah, sounds good. I'd prefer that it's native in the operating system rather than like downloading some program but uh seems like ubuntu likes to keep to uh the basics kind of just a basic password Hmm. yeah windows has a lot of options you could have your password or webcam or you could click at a few locations of a picture or the pin yeah there's a lot of options (coughs) What do you think of uh, galaxies that are merging together? I think that uh, it will be very destructive and two gigantic black holes are going to have a big battle. Yeah, I imagine it uh, being pretty destructive. (laughs) Our galaxies are supposed to collide the galaxy winds called the milky way is supposed to collide with the andromeda galaxy within um 4.6 billion years <laughs> and the andromeda galaxy is 2.5 million light years away <laughs> so um that means at this very second, the the halos of these galaxies are already colliding. <laughs> so it's pretty crazy. <laughs> and the it, they said uh, in the sky, you can see with the naked eye, you can actually see the Andromeda galaxy uh-huh. for northern hemisphere viewers hmm. uh, in late summer before midnight. And uh, you have to be at a very dark site, and yeah. That's crazy. The scientists are actually excited because they're studying the halo, what's inside of it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, they looked at it in uh, UV because the gas in the halo is hot. Atoms are good at absorbing UV. <laughs> the inner part of the halo is over 20 degrees across the, the sky. And uh says there's a lot of quasars in the distant universe that's happening to be behind it. Do they have any pictures? Yeah, it's a this is a rendition uh, it's 
composite photo that shows the galaxy. I don't know how realistic it is. Oh, I was hoping that since someone could see it and with their naked eye, I was wondering if somebody could take a picture of it with a naked camera. Uh, you probably, if you took a picture of it, it'd be very, very. I mean, you could see it because it looks bigger than a like a star. It's pretty big, but I mean, it's hard to capture stars at all. And cap- cameras, just regular cameras, you know. Yeah. There was a time when they like advertised taking pictures of stars and stuff. Have you tried that? Um, the last photo I took, there's a couple stars in it, but I'm not in the dark, very dark spot, so it's not very easy for me to take po- uh, take stars pictures. Oh yeah. When I get to my job site, it gets pretty. It's pretty dark when I arrive. So it's kind of interesting to look up and see the sky. Yeah. They say uh, the disk might be like 100,000 light years across. And the halo can be 10 times that. So it's super big, the halo. Now what's a halo for a galaxy? A halo? Yep. It's like the light that emits from it. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're still studying what it is and stuff uh it has a lot of heavy elements it says so far they've noticed it, ha- it has like car- uh, carbon silicon and oxygen those elements come from the disc to blast them out into the ha- halo sounds normal yep and then uh yeah that's uh, about the galaxy colliding with another one in the next four billion years whatever and uh, speaking about cameras on phones, um, it's funny because, yes, last week we talked about, like, uh, Xiaomi finally uh, getting a <coughs> under-display camera that's uh, workable and doesn't cover part of the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week we have a competitor that actually beat them to gimmick, which is uh, ZTE. They came out with the Axon 20 5G has no bezel notch or hole punch or pinhole. Pretty cool. Right now it's only selling in China, so don't look forward to buying it anytime soon. <laughs> but it has a full screen display in the front and a decent flagship uh, mid-range specs. So it's cool. How far ahead of is ZTE of uh, Xiaomi? Is that right? Yeah, well, this phone is releasing, while the other one is... They had their first little prototype, so... Oh! (laughs) They actually put it into production, and they're just boasting a prototype. Wow. Yeah, man. I hope uh, some tech podcast could actually, like... Or some... We'll probably get some video from some Chinese tech reviewer and I don't know I want to know about the the selfie camera quality I don't really care about selfie cameras bloggers usually get those exclusive uh, phones to test because that's what bloggers do they get the most innovative so I rarely comment on YouTube videos but on MKBHD's uh, Z Fold 
I don't really understand why it has two selfie cameras. It has a selfie camera when it's when you just hold up to your face with the outer screen and then there's a selfie camera when you open it up and you could also use the main camera as a selfie camera also so I don't know why you need probably five cameras as option for selfies <laughs> I think they should just make the displays full no as you say hole punches and stuff yeah but that's probably too radical i am a simplistic person probably somebody would want a selfie camera (laughs) yeah selfie cameras make life convenient sometimes for bloggers i could see why they included it i always quote the same thing uh john prosner's he uh he always says like oh uh companies to uh, add more cameras to show that they care more so the more cameras they have the phone the that's how much the they care about it so. <laughs> the next article is a pretty funny one uh it's about a spider-man comic that was written by an ai um <laughs> uh, so an AI wrote the Spider-Man number 25 and uh, the short story, I'll just read it from uh, the article. It says Spider-Man or is it uh, Neighbor Man? The story begins with uh, the origin is Peter Parker. He's quote-unquote a normal boy teen <laughs> until active radio spider encountered him and bit his hand like a wheat cake. Then his friend, Ben Uncle, was killed by death, leading Spider-Man to avenge his death as a friendly Spider-Hood neighbor man. <laughs> Sp- <laughs> Spider-Man, or is it neighbor man, goes off in search of danger, finding the dreaded octopus doctor, his greatest enema. Um, apparently, his plan is very smart and scientific. He says uh, he'll push the, the Statue of Liberty, leading to the hero's death. And it says, however, Spider-Man overhears his whole plan courtesy, uh, courtesy of his eight ears. When he's like in uh, Octopus's grasp, it says, Spider-Back is Spider-Breaking. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny because like, I don't know how like AI like just makes up these things. Anyway, thinking about his Aunt May, Spider-Man returns the science with anger, defeating the Octopus Doctor. He goes the funny at the end. Uh, Peter Parker at the end goes to a diner to finally relax with his many girlfriends at the same time, <laughs> including Mary Jane, Gwen Stacy, Ki- Kitty Pride, Betty Brant, Silk, and Black Cat. <laughs> and, and then uh, a weird hybrid of J.J. <laughs> Jameson and Craven the Hunter appears, demanding pictures of Spider-Man immediately. And then the issue ends with Spider uh, Peter Parker saying that he guesses it's true. With power comes great power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, huh, that's a pretty interesting ending. I think a lot of people might like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to read the whole thing, uh, it's in the podcast notes. Does it have? 
all is it the whole comic or is it just a story no uh, it shows a couple just pages of it but it has the thing summarized hmm. so that's uh mini topics alex has uh his usual uber uh topics and self-driving cars <laughs> yeah though this is the, the probably the first time i've ever spoken about uber Uber is kind of uh, the black sheep, kind of, in self-driving. Most uh, self-driving companies has accidents, but Uber has accidentally killed a couple people <laughs> with their self-driving cars a couple years ago. Well, they didn't kill them. The self-driving cars killed them. Yeah, but they programmed the self-driving car... Did they have to, like, pay something, or did they get sued or something? Yeah, they uh, settled it out of uh, court. Nice. I don't know how much Uber is heading towards self-driving cars, but they um, announced last week a joint venture with uh, Yandex. I spoke about them previously. The... Russian tech company. It's uh, Russia's Google. Actually, uh, three years ago, Uber and Yandex started their joint venture with a company that was temporarily called Nuco, and they officially called it <laughs> the Self Driving Group. <coughs> That's the name of the company, the joint venture. (laughs) That's funny. The initial uh, joint venture with the new co, Yandex owned, I think is like 56% or something. And Uber owned a third. Yeah. And with the new announcement this past week, Yanex invested 150 million more dollars into the company and bought 20 more percent of the company. So they're up to 79% and Uber has 19% now. Yeah. Seems like the Russian side is kind of taking over. I don't know what, uh, 19% is a good amount, but I don't know, like, what they want to do with it, or if it's a substantial enough stake that they are accomplishing what they want. Yeah. Yanex has uh, goals. Its focus is to develop a technology that's very adaptive to many types of vehicles. They actually have a little Yannex rover, like those little delivery robots that I spoke about recently in uh, Russia. They deliver food in Moscow and, and in a little science park outside of the, the city. Yeah. They say that the technology is actually ready now. They just need to find 
the right place to deploy it. It's not super developed yet, so it has to find like kind of easier locations to implement it. It's not <laughs> gonna look for like a, a difficult location to deploy their self-driving cars. Yannick seems to be pretty committed to <laughs> the self-driving cars. They expanded into uh, Ann Arbor a few weeks ago that I covered it and now they are expanding their stake in this new joint venture with Uber. Yeah, maybe they become like a big uh, self-driving business globally. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. They are kind of developing a platform. So it's not like Hyundai as I spoke last time, I think, where they're just making vehicles and they're kind of like supporting a platform. They're making their own platform where vehicles can use their software for many types of vehicles. So I don't know who trusts Uber and <laughs> Yannick's is uh, self-driving car record. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't trust Uber anyways. <clears throat> yeah. We finally got a Nintendo Direct after like nearly a year since the last one. Mm-hmm. Nintendo Direct, so when Nintendo like reveals and announces new video games and products and this one was mario themed because of uh the 35th anniversary this year nice the whole thing was mario one of the things they announced was uh, a game and watch handheld so it plays the original super mario super mario's lost levels and then a mario themed uh, game and watch game called ball it looks kind of like a remember the game boy micro Game Boy Advance Micro. I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a miniature Game Boy Advance. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's the same style. It just doesn't have like L and R. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Color. So, I don't know. Sounds cool. I don't know if I'll get it, but... I don't know, like, pricing. Uh, it is coming out November 13th, 2020. It's in a couple months. They finally uh, announced the rumored 3D collection coming out. Because uh, Nintendo and, like, the Mario creator kept, like, teasing Mario uh, 3D images on their Twitter account. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, this collection is Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy with higher resolutions and optimized with the Switch. So, that'd be f- really cool. The funny thing is that uh, it's a limited time purchase. You can't buy it after the 31st hmm. of uh, 2021, March 31st. So you have like five months to buy it. September 18th, it starts uh, selling and then it ends on March 31st. March 31st? 2021, yeah. So you have like five months to buy it. Hmm. Six? I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's still weird because there's limited copies. Maybe because COVID, I'm not sure. But um, it's weird. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of interesting. If I had that, I would only sell it for maybe like one month, the longest. I wouldn't do it for like six whole months. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. 
And then they announced this new Mario Kart game. It's an AR game, so it's kind of up your alley. Uh, so you have toys. You set up the track in your house. Then when you're racing and you switch, it like corresponds where it is on the track and the toy. When your toy's going around and the video game, you see it going around. The thing that I don't know exactly is how items work. So like if you pick up an item, if you shoot someone, does it like show them spin around or how it works in the toy? So. Yeah, I uh, heard about this in a podcast. I heard that if you get hit by a shell, it kind of slows you down for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I think that the idea is kind of weird. It seems like the augmented reality would be more interesting if you're like hanging out with a group of people because if you're just playing like over online with your friend or something, you're just looking at your screen and the car is just going around. I don't know. It's. I think the people playing are just looking at their Switch and they're not really looking at the cars. <laughs> So, like, the cars are kind of, like, extra. Like, I don't know why they're there other than for maybe an audience that are just, like, hanging out with you or something. Yeah, I think it's because, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's probably, I think the cameras are, like, on the carts. So, it goes around the track. Yeah, the cameras are on Yeah, the so that's how it makes the track work. Yeah. If you set up the track, it's not, it's not going to take pictures of everything. You have the carts going around so you can see... The, the actual track so i mean that's why it kind of makes sense to me i'm not interested in it but uh get to people that like toys and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think the concept doesn't really work very well or well, it, it does work but it's like what it's, it doesn't really seem that fun because they're going to play the game on the Switch anyways. It's not like it's a remote control car or something. It is kind of, but you're not looking at the remote control car. You're looking at your Switch screen. Yeah. I think it's like $100 just for the starter kit. I'm not sure if it comes with everything. But for me, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. They announced uh, Super Mario 3D World basically a port to the Switch. It adds online and local co-op multiplayer, and then some new levels with Bowser. Mm-hmm. And then they, this is another limited thing: is uh, they announced a Mario Battle Royale. Since uh, this is thirty-five, uh, the thirty-fifth <laughs> anniversary. This thirty, so it's called Super Mario's thirty-five. Yet you battle thirty-four other people, and then I guess. You guys are like going around racing uh, and uh, enemies defeated will be sent to other players' courses. If you're going further and you're able to get a lot of enemies and you probably fill up the other guy's screen and then make it harder for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they, they announced <laughs> some uh, old games to the SNES and classic Nintendo libraries. They added uh, Super Mario Bros, the Lost Levels, and Super Mario Bros. 2 and 3. There's a bunch of other app random stuff that I don't really care to talk about, but that's a pretty big announcement since uh, the drought we had. I feel like there's going to be another direct probably in the next month or two. I think so. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Mario's 
come back and I'm excited. I'll probably get the collection because I never actually played those Mario games. Yeah, we never really were Mario family. We had it for the Super Nintendo. <laughs> but that's like the only one that we had, I think. <laughs> yeah, and Mario Kart. We didn't get it for the 64. Oh, you had a Paper Mario. No, I that didn't. Counts. And you had a Yoshi, the Yoshi game. I just played that at uh, played that at Kyla's house. I didn't actually have it. You nope. didn't have Paper Mario. Never had it. Hmm. I thought you had it. I had Mario and Luigi, uh, Superstar Saga for the Game Boy Advance. Hmm. I mean, that was like an RPG game, like. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of remember that. My topic is uh, bringing back some old uh, games. Yours is kind of bringing back some old watches. This is a wearable technology news story. (laughs) We mourn the loss of the Pebble watch, how Fitbit killed it. But the Pebble is not dead. It's coming back. And there's this group of people. It's kind of funny. And they call themselves the the Rebel Alliance. It's spelled... uh, Rebel, like Pebble, but with R. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little creative. This girl named uh, Catherine Berry. I don't know how much her work contributed to it, but she was one of the old employees of Pebble. And she programmed the Rebel web services. And they raised, they were saving up money from the usage of uh, that uh, services. And they're trying to fund some projects, some side projects of enthusiasts of the Pebble Watch. They raised $25,000 that they're going to give as grants to help people. Maybe as like a part-time or... I don't know, because $25,000 is not that much. Maybe it's... (laughs) It says here that uh, Catherine Berry coded the cloud uh, infrastructure in only a couple weeks, so... That's pretty cool. Maybe Maybe it's like a little gig thing. Just pay somebody like a thousand dollars for a week project or something i'd do it if i knew how to do it i don't know if i had knowledge to do some kind of project for them i'd do it but i don't so they have uh plans to renew the pebble uh ecosystem and uh, the mobile app yeah, I, I looked it up to see if uh, the beloved old watch has higher prices, but you could buy them still new uh, for like 50 bucks on uh, Amazon. Nice. Um, it features the classic e-ink display that lasts for a week. You could uh, control your music with it. It has customizable screen faces. They look pretty classic. You could receive notifications like email and text messages and caller ID, calendar. And I don't know what other apps they have. 
but they seem to have a already have had an ecosystem before yeah it has a a nice uh community behind it so they have a bunch of apps i might have to join this rebel alliance and ditch apple it'd be funny if they like uh i don't know somehow got enough money to like v like sell some pebbles as rebels <laughs> they quit making them in like 2016 and they were shut down in 2018 so i don't know um it would be cool if they could start producing them again probably not expensive nowadays since uh technology is advanced and e-inks probably a lot cheaper to put into tech now did you hear about uh tlc's new e-ink um technology it's full color and it has the frame rate that's like normal it won't take forever to <laughs> load a video so it's it's kind of interesting what they're going to do with it tlc is trying to become something big <laughs> and they're probably going to be just like a company on the side doing interesting things i don't know <laughs> If they'll be able to actually sell or do much with it. Um, maybe they can like sell the technology to uh, Amazon. Then they can put it into like the new uh, next generation Kindles. Yeah. Maybe they could do some type of thing with the comics. They should uh, sell like a subscription or something with Marvel. Then they could have like all the comics and this cool e- full-color e-ink uh, display or something. You pay like $5 a month and you have all the Marvel comics. I think <laughs> there is subscription services for that. But I think like if Amazon worked with it, maybe they could like sell uh, the new Kindle device as a comic book reader. Revolutionize uh, comic book reading. Yeah. Amazon might be able to bring together all the comic companies. Yeah, they have the money. Because there's more than just Marvel. Yeah, there's Black Horse, there's DC, there's Japanese manga, cause there's Shonen Jump and all that stuff. So, Yeah. What percentage of manga do you think is color? Um, I think they have uh, some issues that come out in color i'm not sure if it's a large percentage yeah it's probably very very low <clears throat> yeah i know some mangas do produce those uh comics in color but it's rare to see that and i think uh when they do release it it's like a special one chapter thing or something small it's not only like a common thing yeah but they could always adapt from uh the current uh, manga and anime and just make it a comic style thing specifically for like electronic colored displays <laughs> yeah I don't know if this technology could change the whole manga industry <laughs> and you could sell magazines bring back the magazines and stuff like that yeah Amazon could have like their own magazine thing kind of like Apple Apple, I mean, Amazon just needs to talk to TLC for their technology. That's all they have to do. Yeah, then people don't have to pay hundreds of dollars. It probably would cost 
some money <laughs> because this is a new technology, but maybe if they get like a really big order, then they could make it cost a lot more affordable. Yeah. It would save paper for a uh, majority of magazine subscribers. Black holes, there are actually two different kind of black holes that we know in existence. One of them is a supermassive black hole, and the ones are just uh, the ones that are out random. They're from uh, stars collapse, like neutron stars. And um, when massive stars uh, explode, they can somehow form a black hole. But... Um, not all black holes have uh, this uh, accretion disk that like spins around them and like eject material. They finally have the mechanism behind how that works proposed. I don't think it's uh, concrete yet, but yeah. I thought you said the accretion disk was like part of the anatomy of a black hole, but it doesn't seem to be necessary. Yeah, so um, uh, from the article I read, it says that every galaxy is thought to have a supermassive black hole at its center, but not all galaxies have or still have accretion decks. Those that do are known as active galaxies on account that they're active galactic nuclei, so the part that's still uh, flowing and ejecting and doing that uh, accretion disk. There's an image I posted. It shows like a little drawing. They call it galactic disc. It's where you see that whole spinning material. And then it shows two bubbles that are ejected out. And that's like the whole light you sometimes see out of like galaxies portrayed and stuff like that. I took notes on what this scientist wrote down. And he said that the the process is uh, the first step is like the cloud of molecular cl- gas in the central region of the galaxy collapses and activates its nucleus, forming the accretion disk. Then uh, extremely heated protons emitted by the disks, they're like millions of degrees, push out of the gas outward, while a smaller part of the gas sucks into the disk and eventually plunges. Uh, plunges into the black hole. As the cloud is absorbed into the disk, they form into two unique phases. The ionized is due to the disk exposure, and the other is the molecular, and it's overshadowed by radiation, and which are both tied together, and is known as the outflow. And that's uh, the part that's like spewed out. Since so the ionized gas comes from fragmentation of the molecular glass as it's pushed out into a hot bubble that can be as large as 300 light years in radius. Wow. And uh, for measurement, it's 70 times the distance from Earth to Proxima Centauri, which is the nearest star to our solar system. So it can be gigantic, that um, gas. How they got this information is instead of observing a bunch of galaxies, like some... uh, scientists and astrophysicists were doing this group they studied two galaxies and they're completely different galaxies like in both the central regions of these galaxies observed the enormous bubble is portrayed by its walls of molecules and uh, the walls fragments and ionized gas drive out 
and the the accretion disk appears extremely bright. They couldn't get too much more but that because the article said like that part is just like a pixel, that light. So they couldn't like get very much detail into it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wonder what data crazy. you can get from one pixel. <laughs> this is all from uh, a new model from Daniel May. He's a postdoctoral researcher, researcher in the University of Sao Paulo and the Institute of Astronomy, Geophysics, and Astron- Astrospheric Science in Brazil. <laughs> so what's the universal mechanism? Before, they assumed that the disk wasn't very important to the black hole. But it actually is a, a very important part that drives the whole galaxy. Because traditionally, it poses the two phases in the matter accumulates. According to the article, it says, like, the old one, like, just put the disk as, like, I don't know. Oh, here it is. It says, we found that the molecular phase, which appears to have completely different dynamics from the ionized phase, is also part of the outflow. This means that... F- there's far more matter being blown away from the center. And the active galactic uh, nucleus plays a far more important role in the structuring of the galaxy as a whole. So it adds structure to the galaxy, Hmm. which, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what it means for galaxies that don't have it. Maybe uh, they've cooled down and I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that's just the initial proposal, I think. So there's still a lot more to learn. So the accretion disk is uh, critical <laughs> to black holes. <laughs> That's what they stated is active black hole. They call active black holes one of the accretion disks that like has the outflow, which is like the beams you see that go out. They're like bubbles with a bunch of material on it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if it's inactive, then it doesn't have a uh, hmm. accretion disk. Oh, that's weird. Yep. Well, my next topic is, I thought it might be able to tie in because it's kind of might be a universal fuel. I've been getting into hydrogen fuel a little bit. I subscribed to a hydrogen podcast today. It's kind of interesting to hear them talk. I flagged this article Mm -hmm. and it talks about California. Nice. And, uh. Guess how much uh, hydrogen fuel that it produces a day? Um, a hundred thousand gallon gallons of hydrogen fuel. Hundred thousand gallons? Sure. Let's see, hundred thousand gallons to tons. Uh, nope. Uh, you like uh. 300 no 200 times off 200 yeah 200 times off that's not too far off california has 45 operating hydrogen stations that produce hydrogen and they produce 12 tons per day and guess how many hydrogen fuel cars you could serve with 12 tons per day Mm-hmm. Probably thousand. Yeah, that's uh, that's realistic. Um, they say you could serve about eight thousand fuel cell cars. 
if we want to clean uh, fueled cars that doesn't uh, depend on batteries we'll need to be producing a lot more hydrogen because 8,000 is uh, not many <laughs> the California Energy Commission is collaborating with the Volkswagen Environmental Mitigation Trust Fund they had like some yeah it seems like they allowed companies to come pitch their like vision for some hydrogen stations and the winner got the five million dollars that Volkswagen contributed there's three companies that won the winner is the first element fuel incorporated the California Energy Commission, or CEC, will fund them $15.5 million, and they will build uh, 21 hydrogen stations or plants. They plan to fund their construction with almost $100 million. It'll cost them... Yeah, I'll talk about that later. But the second place um, is a company... It seems like they're associated with Shell. You know, the oil company. The company is called... Yeah, I get my gas from Shell. Yeah, the company that won second is called Equelon Enterprise. And winning second place, they are planning to build uh, 51 but 43 is kind of optional but they do want to build all 51 they only required to do eight of them they won 7.6 million dollars uh, from the CEC and they're planning to invest $40 million to build <laughs> those uh, 51 hydrogen plants. In third place, we have the Elwantani Corporation of America. They were awarded the seven hydrogen stations to build with $11 million. And they're allowed to build... 16 more and this corporation will be contributing 62 million dollars to build the 23 stations i thought it's kind of interesting because first element plans to build each station with 3.1 million dollars and equelion plans to build their uh, 51 um, hydrogen stations with uh, 1.6 million dollars each station and the Iwatani Corporation of America plans to build each of theirs with uh, 3.7 million dollars so yeah you can kind of see how they all may come with their different plans and ideas for how they want to establish their hydrogen fuel business. I was just thinking, so Ikelon, Ikelon, they are uh, 
only required eight. So I'm guessing the money that they are going beyond to create the other 48 or 43. Yeah. Are going to come out of their own pocket. So it's not like the money is only like they, they're going beyond it. It's not like first element's probably going to use all their money to make it. So they're not taking out any other pocket and so on. They're taking out less and less, uh, I mean, less and less of the money are basically subsidized. So, yeah, it seems like Shell is going for efficiency in production. I think maybe <laughs> because they're only investing forty million dollars, but they're making like more stations than the other ones. First Fuel's making uh, twenty-one, and El what? Tani is building 23 and uh, Equalion's building like more than double. Yeah, the California Energy Commission is, uh, this is the second generation of uh, hydrogen stations and they're raising their standards. They want three to five times more um, hydrogen fuel produced, and they're expecting uh, each station to produce at least uh, 1,000 kilograms per day of hydrogen. Yeah. I don't know how many different industries can use hydrogen. I would expect you could make other things other than cars, but... uh, I I kind of imagine a day when it'll be kind of like a clash between electric vehicles, hydrogen fuel uh, cars, and uh, just normal gasoline. Yeah. It's like there could easily be a new company that could bring hydrogen fuel into the mix of cars. There is one company that made a really cool looking like hydrogen fuel sports car but that might be like way over the top i don't know why elon musk's love battery so much i think they should also go into hydrogen fuel probably because i don't know batteries are needed for uh the entirety of a car where hydrogen cell might not be able to power a car um I'm not sure. I'm I'm assuming that there's still a little battery inside a hydrogen cell car. Yeah, there probably would be, but it, pro- it won't be as big. Just a little tiny one. Yeah, but in, ta- uh, in Tesla's case, they, they don't need to worry about having two batteries or two sources of uh, energy. Yeah, they probably could figure out a way to not need the battery. I'm not sure. <laughs> I- I don't know. I probably need the battery. Batteries are important in all situations, I think. Uh, especially in the uh, middle of a quasar. <laughs> Quasars are uh, what power galaxies. <laughs> it's interesting because some thought that quasars could only contain one black hole. Uh-huh. But uh, recent discoveries has shown that you could have a quasar be powered by two black holes. So what is a quasar? Is it like uh, a galaxy of galaxies or something? 
A quasar, according to Wikipedia, is an extremely luminous, active galactic nucleus in which a supermassive black hole with mass raising from millions to billions times the mass of the sun is surrounded by an, a, gas, a gaseous accretion disk. As gas in the disk falls towards the black hole, energy is released in the form of uh, electromagnetic radiation, which can be observed across the electromagnetic spectrum. The power radiated by quasars is enormous. The most powerful quasars have luminescencies thousands of times greater than a galaxy such as the Ma- uh, Milky Way. Usually, quasars are categorized as a subclass of a more general category, AGN. Hmm. It says, uh, the, the term quasar originated as a contraction of quasi-stellar radio source because quasars were first identified in the 1950s as sources of radio wave emissions of unknown physical origin. And when, it, when uh, identified in photographic images, uh, visible wavelengths, they resembled faint star-like points of light. We know at the center of every galaxy is a black hole, but for the supermassive ones, they could be two. A single supermassive black hole powers most quasars mm-hmm. um, because binary bla- black holes tend to sweep materials from the common region. That's what they thought. But it says astronomers developed sophisticated computer simulations of accretion black holes and found there were cases where two orbiting supermassive black holes can form a common accretion disk that could power a quasar. We have long known that merging galaxies could cause their black holes to form close binaries, so there should be binary black hole quasars. And it said proving this isn't easy, but the com- computer simulations show they should exist, but they still be rare. Until recently, a team successfully found one. Using the Hyper Supreme Supreme Cam, the HSC, on the Subaru Telescope, they looked at 35,000 known quasars from the Sloan Digital Sky Survey, the SDSS. They found about 421 potential binaries. They captured HS image, HSC images of each of them and located the strongest candidate. And they imaged this galaxy with the Gemini telescope, confirming it is a binary system. One of the black holes has a mass of about 80 million suns, while the other is about 200 million solar ma- masses. And it said, based on this survey, the team estimated that binary black holes power about only 0.3% of quasars. Hmm. Yeah. Did you say that the quasar is like a supernova or something like that? Some. You say it just produces a lot of light somehow, or? Uh, they call it luminous luminosities. The measure of radiated electronic magnetic power or light. How do the black holes power the, the quasars? The accretion disk is uh, basically what, like we talked about earlier, is the thing that like adds structure to the galaxies. And a quasar is like uh, extremely active uh, black hole. 
Oh. And uh, it's a bunch of... That simplifies it better than Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch of uh, stars, the galaxies, basically. A bunch of stars? So it says, uh, from the Hubble Space Telescope, have just demonstrated that quasars occur in the centers of galaxies. Some host galaxies are strongly interacting of merging galaxies. Emerging galaxies, so they they could be several galaxies, like combined. That makes sense. How active it would be if you have stars revolving. Hmm. That's crazy. So part it's a different subject is about for the first time ever, scientists and physicists witnessed um, from like billions of years ago. Uh, gravi- gravitational waves of two black holes that merged and formed a uh, before thought as impossible size of black hole. And uh, <laughs> because, like I said at the beginning, there's two types of black holes the ones that are like formed from stars and the ones that are supermassive black holes. But this is in between both of them. Einstein thought that it was impossible to witness if there was such a impossible black hole. (laughs) Yeah, his concept of it was correct, though. Huh. So these scientists observed these waves from billions of years ago that come from this event? Yeah, because it's so far away. That's crazy. Yeah. It says seven billion years ago, two black holes crashed in each other and merged into one enormous black hole with a massive 142 suns. This is between the size of a one star black hole and the supermassive ones. So it's in the region of an impossible black hole. I guess that's what they're calling them at the time, uh, at this moment. Mm-hmm. When they observed it, it was uh, one tenth of a second. So the wave stretched a mile long. It says it should defy the known laws of physics. Because uh, the scientists' calculations show that the heavier black hole the two crashed was 85 times the mass falling within the range of many thought was impossible. It is exactly what I predicted wasn't there, he said. Stan Woolsey, who models the deaths of massive stars, said the big black hole smack dab in the middle of the forbidden zone. That's what they call it. <laughs> Yeah, it opens more questions than it does provide answers. So they have to, a lot of scientists have to rethink what they know. They have to rethink their models. And uh, <laughs> it's funny because they, they comment like, oh, we owe wine to others because they, uh, yeah, they lost bets. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. There are many ideas about how to get around this. Merging two stars together and embedding the black hole in a thick disk of material it can swallow or primordial black holes created in the aftermath of the black hole. But um, he says the idea I really like is a hierarchical merger where we have a black hole formed from the previous merger of two smaller black holes. In another article I read they said perhaps it's like playing Legos. Smaller blocks combine to make bigger ones and those combine to make even bigger ones said Harvard astronomer Ivy Loeb. It wasn't part of the study, but he said this results chart new astron- uh, astronomical territory. And it goes on to say that 
Einstein's predictions led the scientists to violent space collisions, which is what they're talking about. It seems like for the hundred years, Einstein was right. And um, in the late 1990s is when they created these uh, gravitational wave um, observers. In September 2015, 20, uh, 2015 LICO, the laser intro, I can't say the whole thing, but mm-hmm. the one that's in the U.S. detected its first gravitational waves after 13 years. <laughs> and then uh, in August 2019, they they detected what scientists believe was a black hole swallowing a nitron star. <laughs> so, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, this... this uh, observation that they found this week is revolutionary it says new detections re- refine our understanding of how black holes form with these gravitational wave breakthroughs it won't be long until we have enough data to uncover the secrets of how black holes are born and how they grow if I developed the gravitational device and it took more than 10 years to actually observe some gravitational wave I'll probably give up on it <laughs> Yeah, they were awarded um, the, uh, what is it called? The Nobel Prize in Physics in uh, September 2015. If it were you, you would have uh, missed out the opportunity to get the Nobel Peace, uh, Nobel Prize in Physics. Yeah, all I had to do is wait five more years on this thing to do one little observation <laughs> and I'll get the Nobel yeah. Prize. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, it seems like scientists have to be really patient. I wonder why it took 15 years for anything to be detected with this gravitational wave observer. Yeah. They probably had a bunch of other side things going on and they just were waiting for this thing to do something. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot there was one thing that I uh, thought was interesting. They hooked up the, the observer to some kind of audio so that the when they detect something, it would like make a noise. Uh-huh. So, like, when they heard it, it was, like, a huge thud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> you said it was, like, a tenth of a second? Yeah. So, it's not that huge of a thud. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the podcast for the day. Yeah, it's... I've had some technical difficulties. I still need to figure out my headset. I bought it a new one, kind of, and it didn't work out well for Trevor. And I put in my old ones in, and those died. And I got my over-the-ear headphones going. Yeah, you might hear Trevor in the background. I noticed that it happened in the last podcast, so... I still need to figure out what I want to do to fix the audio on my end. Yeah, one of my uh, ears died, but the other one's still working. So my pixel, my really? pixel bug sister. Yeah, that, that's the same thing with mine. No, I mean it's not dead. I just meant the battery ran out in one of him. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it has fourteen percent left in one of him. That's so. good. Well, that's the episode. I'm grateful for the constant audience. I'm grateful for. You guys, we feel uh, like uh, we're actually contributing to people's lives, sharing our interests and entertaining 
our goals, uh, I think I've said this before, our goals for each episode is to entertain and inform. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening and sharing and commenting when you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later.